0: Hi, guys. I'm Joe Katz with the Katz Walk. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got an amazing guest for you today, Jamie King. Jamie was a supermodel. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, Uh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Back in the 80s and 90s, and she modeled with some of the top fashion models in the world from naomi campbell to kate moss she is going to tell you all the stories the behind the scenes stories everything she went through all the great parties and entertainment she did we've got a lot of great things coming up so stay tuned for the show Jamie King, thank you so Hi. much for joining the show. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: Yes, yes. You look so fresh and clean and thank I love your you. necklace. That's thank so you. cool. Dior gave it to me. Oh, yes. yeah. It's Dior. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for coming. We have so much to talk about. So many things to talk about. I want to learn everything about you. People probably know you as, I mean, you started your career modeling, Then you have done some amazing stuff in acting uh, with your new show. That's actually now you're on your second season. I think you said you just finished your third season of Black Summer.
1: Yes, just finished second season.
0: Oh, second season, second season. Wow, that's awesome. But I just want to get into, I love to have like true conversations and you're so honest about so much stuff. I love that. I want the audience to just really hear like, you know, who is Jamie King? And we've heard mm-hmm. so much about you. And But I just, I think your story is so fascinating about like how you grew up, because I grew up in the Midwest and you grew up in Nebraska, right?
1: Yes, in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: So how did it all start, Jamie? Like how did, uh, did like modeling choose you? Or did you think, oh, I want to be a model or?
1: I just remember always loving fashion. I always loved fashion, uh, clothing, photography, Films, music—I think it was, uh, you know, my love for the arts. Ever since I was very little, I remember seeing particular covers of magazines that were really striking to me. And it wasn't about the magazine per se, but it was about the feeling that it gave me. You know, there was one that just popped into my mind. It was—I think, uh, do you know the model Nadia? And it was uh, Demarchelier. Oh yeah. It was yeah. a close-up of her of her face those blue eyes and there was something that was blue on the cover with the red lips and it was shot very kind of seventies with like a ring flash kind of a vibe, this striking, um, experience. And then there was a cover of Harper's bazaar, I believe with, I think it was Naomi and Kate. And it was the Marc Jacobs collection from, you know, like the, when grunge was, you know, popping off, it was right. like the year of Nirvana and all that stuff. And uh, the sun eyebrows and like, all of that, you know, and uh, the Grease album cover, you know, of Olivia Newton-John and Don Travolta and like her and her, you know, smoking hot black look. And there's something about music, film, uh, fashion that always made me feel like somehow I was seen or heard as a kid growing up in the Midwest who was very different than other kids, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that style is a way to communicate. It's a language and allowed me to express who I was as a human being. You know, when I was young and I didn't necessarily know, it's like, you've got to try on all these different parts and all of these different experiences just through, through clothing.
0: Right. And so how did it happen? So when you were like 14, did you go into a modeling contest or did you go to an agency or?
1: I actually saw an advertisement in the local newspaper in the Omaha World Herald for uh Nancy Bounds Modeling School and I begged my parents to save the money so I could go because I was like and it said that in in this you know ad that you would meet people from a big city agents from big cities and as a kid that had never gone to a city right, right. well I went to yeah one time I went to Chicago and I was like that's it that's my that's how I get out of here you know uh. I Never felt like I fit growing up in Omaha. I just felt like, like I was bullied. I looked a certain way. I I didn't feel like I fit because my sense of style or what my interests were were very different than the kids around me. Um, you know, I wanted to just voraciously read books and you know, uh, watch like I said, watch films and study art, and it wasn't like the cool thing. Um, and I felt in a way, in my soul, I knew that. I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to be a filmmaker and I wanted to learn everything that I could about the world. And that to me was like, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, this is, this is how I do it. And, um, I was actually 13 at the time. And then I met an agent from New York who is a very big agent and, that's how it started. And
0: what were you in school? What were you bullied about? Cause I talk about bullying too. Cause I went through that growing up in Iowa. Like I was like the weird gay yeah. kid that loved plaid pants and penny loafers.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and right, everybody exactly. was like, penny
0: loafers, you're weird. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Or boat shoes. Oh, it was like, if you have boat shoes, like, no, yeah, that was awful. Yeah. What were you bullied about?
1: seemingly everything. And I didn't quite understand why. The way that I would put clothes together, you know, did your dad dress you in the dark? Or my mom was a seamstress. She could make anything. And so we would go to the fabric store and I would pick out these really wild like animal prints with neon colors and have her make my leggings and went to the Goodwill. And, you know, I always had this very eclectic sort of sense of style that didn't fit, you know, what it was supposed to be in school. Right. So, um, and also, like the things that everybody wanted to wear, we couldn't necessarily afford, like Esprit and like Limited Express. Oh and right,
0: Benetton.
1: And, yes, Benetton and Benetton. Yeah, Benetton. Right. You know, like all of that kind of stuff. And and so I I was making up my own, not even making it up. It's just like I dressed the way that I loved, and and I remember consistently being terrified, like literally terrified to go to school. Uh, because the girls didn't like me the boys didn't like me it was pretty pretty horrific you know i it made me feel actually physically unsafe because really? when you're a kid and you're being bullied you just never know cuz your fight or flight's always right. activated right? right and so right. and i didn't and i thought it was me i'm like what is wrong with me you know what is wrong with me that that i can't somehow fit into any group and um I remember this is a very candid story, but I remember, uh, you know, I got my first pair of limited express pants and I was like, this is it. Like today is going to be the day <laughs> where I'm going to go to school and they're going to love me. They'll and, love you, know, you. And, yeah. you know, it's like, that's it. You know? Yeah. And they were white with black polka dots. And I, um, I was on the bus and, uh, I remember where like being so excited to be on the bus in the morning and go to school and at Lunchtime. I walked in the cafeteria, and there was, you know, the cool kids, the popular group. Like, started waving me over, and I remember it was literally like a movie when you're just like, "Is it me?" Or, or who are they waving at? And yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, right." Oh, the pants.
0: They liked it,
1: so they're waving me over. Yeah, and I come over, and the boys had like napkins, um, and they put ketchup all over the napkins, right? <sighs> and and they started throwing them at me, and <sighs> I run into the bathroom, and I'm like bawling, right? And I look down, and I got my period for the first time. So I had fled through these pants. The first time I had my period, no one told me, you know, obviously. And that oh. was my experience of school, of coming into being a, a woman. Uh, it was so traumatic, you know, and this stuff is happening every day. And nobody will like just give details about it, you know, and, and worse than that, obviously. And so it was one of those things where, like, you know, when people give you a a puzzle, it's in a box and there's a picture on Mm -hmm. it. Right. Uh And we're supposed, it's like somehow we're supposed to fit ourselves into these correct pieces. Right. So that we're a part of a collective, right. Mm -hmm. A a collective picture of the way that we're supposed to look, feel, uh, see, um, be a part of. And, you know, now I realize at 41 that we don't belong in, in a box Of someone else's picture, it's all really an illusion, right? We we all have our own identities, and we come into that, you know, through our wisdom and as we grow older. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thankful though for those experiences because it gave me so much empathy and so much compassion and really understanding. I think I felt like the underdog and the outcast, and so I related to people that grew up feeling differently or thinking Mm -hmm. differently and. That's a really profound thing because those tend to be, you know, the artists of this world, the, you know, the, the ones that just didn't know where they fit because they could see things in a different way.
0: Right. They didn't fit in like the typical group or stuff like that. What was your saving grace like daily? Like if it felt so hard, cause I, I totally understand. Like, that's what I, right. I kept thinking like, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be over? I want to get out of school. I want to become like a right. working adult or I just wanted yes, to be yes. out. And I was like, how do I get out of Iowa? You know?
1: That's all I thought too. That's why I was yeah. like, this is, this is it.
0: Oh, the modeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My saving grace, honestly, I think it was my imagination. It was my imagination.
0: And what did you imagine?
1: Oh, I I would make up anything. Like, I would play by myself all the time. Like, you know, I would just go to parks and make up these worlds and characters and, you know, like gather my cousins around and, you know, make plays. And I read a lot, read a lot, listened to a lot of music, played piano a lot. I took a lot of pictures. I really loved photography. So Mm. I would collect cameras and take pictures and, you know, go to the dark room, things like that. You know, it was really what it is that I still do now that I, that was my saving grace.
0: Wow. That's interesting. So you went to 13 and then at 14, what happened then?
1: At 14, I went to New York.
0: So you left high, you, you were in what? High school or no? Junior high high Yes, in high school. High school.
1: And I went to New York over the summer and with my mother and it was, it was one of those things where it was like immediate. Uh, one of my first shoots was for the first issue of Visionaire with Stephen Klein and oh James Carliardos. And this was your you know, first was, summer there. Yes. And so wow. I, immediately I was shooting for speaking of Harper's and Vogue. And, you know, it was something that happened very quickly and I didn't understand it because I was a kid. Right. And I just right. thought, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was definitely a phenomenon, but I didn't know, you know, and, When I went to go back to school, my agent told my mother, you know, your daughter is a star and, you know, coming from where we come from, it's not, we can't like wrap our heads around that, you know, like my mother or me or anything like that. And it's like, you know, she can do correspondence courses um, for school and move to New York and she'll be chaperoned and taken care of and, um, which is not true.
0: Oh, it wasn't true that you were being chaperoned and taken care of? No.
1: No. You you know, that's, that's why the guild rules are so important that they have like in Hollywood and and for acting. It's if you're a minor, you have to have your parents, you have to be their school on the set. They're very strict rules. And in the fashion industry, they didn't exist at that time. So it was one of those things where I was a a kid uh, and, you know, everything happened very quickly. And you know, I didn't want to tell my, I didn't know how to like share that with my, my parents, you know, uh, and I thought if I did, then I would never be able to stay. Uh, so it was an, again, another really interesting thing. And you, uh, grow up very quickly and those experiences, but the experiences that I had have, uh, again, when I look at them really contributed to, uh, my to me and to what it is that I do as a storyteller because I've experienced so many things from such a young age.
0: So like when you were 14, you ended up staying in New York. Your mom went back to Nebraska or did she stay with you?
1: No, she went back to Nebraska because I have siblings and I was staying with one of the editors of Harper's Bazaar at that time. And then I stayed in a model's uh, apartment right. for like a month Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, I had my own place by the time I was 15.
0: You were living on your own? Yeah. Oh my God. So then like, were you doing school while you were in New York?
1: I was doing correspondence courses. And as soon as I went to New York also, then you have the fashion shows, right? So, uh, then I was traveling all over the world and you know, from, it was at the, the order at that time, it was London shows, then Milan, then Paris, then New York um and so you know and and that happened very quickly too i remember one of my first shows was uh tom ford for gucci and uh like there was this moment where i look up and i realize naomi Campbell is right in front of me and i turn around and kate moss is right behind me and i'm just oh like oh my god oh my god <gasps> like like it was like those kind of moments where it's like is this how is this really happening how is this happening how is this happening and you know, with these extraordinary designers, you know, working for different maisons, like having their own, like Carl Lagerfeld um, was one of the first designers that I worked with. And so it was like Carl for Chanel, Carl for Fendi, Carl oh, for, for all Chloe. Those. Yeah. Carl yeah. Lagerfeld for Carl Lagerfeld. Then we had John Galliano. Then John Galliano got Dior. So then it was, you did John Galliano, John Galliano, Dior. And Lee McQueen, I met Lee when I, Alexander McQueen, when I was, uh, 14, um, we met on his very first collection and I did every show of his until I stopped. He was a very, very dear friend of mine. And, you know, to have these, you know, um, experiences where, you know, Lee was like using fabric from his apartment because he like couldn't afford like certain things and from his drapes from his apartment, you know, and, you know, like just these wild experiences where you see people start from the very beginning and, you know, really, you know, achieve their dreams, you know, and that forms a real bond.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So you would hang out with him and. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. He was a very dear friend of mine. What's the most interesting thing, like, you know, we hear about things behind the scenes in the shows and it's like, is it chaotic? What's, like, what's an interesting thing that happens behind the scenes, like, that we don't know, that nobody would really know?
1: I mean, then I I don't know how it is now, but I remember one week in Paris, I had 26 shows.
0: Oh my God. You know,
1: so it's like, you're running from, like, Dries Van Norton to Demulemeister to then Jean Colonna to then, well, Carl would, uh Lagerfeld would always start at like five in the morning, you know, there was never any food. It was just like champagne, orange juice, and croissants, you know, so it was like, uh, like that was, you know, so you start with one show, and right. then you're racing to the next one. They're like ripping your hair out, like, you know, scrubbing your face down, you know, taking off whatever nails, you know, and at that time, it was so and especially like in Paris, you know, you had uh, Paris was my favorite because it was the, to me the most wildly creative. You had the Odils and the doing these and the Sam, uh, Sam Ignites and you, know, the, you know, these, these extraordinary artists that are doing some of the most phenomenal things that you've ever seen, you know, with hair and makeup and individual looks like, you know, the, the Galliano shows were a theater and, right. you know, uh, we shows were theater and that's when I knew Uh, and those shows that my love of acting and having never acted before was something that I needed to do um, because of the experience that I felt when you had that kind of freedom. So behind the scenes, I think it's like literally like all of the race, 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 race. and, And nobody knows that you literally just got, you know, to that venue roughly five minutes before you're walking down a runway and you have like 10 people, you know, doing everything at the same time, you know, when you're in demand like that. Right. Right, So it was a very, you know, I, I, and again, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine it's like that now. Uh, But at that time, it was a time where supermodels really had so much power, you know, and it was a core of us that would do all the shows together. And so it was a very. You were one of the
0: big supermodels of that time. I mean, with Naomi and all of them, Kate,
1: Mm-hmm. and yeah. shalom and amber Valletta, carolyn murphy i mean just these amazing amazing women
0: that's crazy wow yeah. and so they're changing you every time just so people understand like during those shows like in paris and london and all of that they're yes. changing you between takes right you just stand there or do you jump into new outfits or how does it work like within minutes right
1: well i mean you you go from one show to another show so you're doing that within minutes so it's like Imagine it's like a quick change of the most extravagant, like hair, makeup, everything, right? And then right. then they dress you as quick as they can. You're out there, you're walking, you know, you come back, you race back, they take all the clothes off you, you put all the like you put all the stuff back on you. It's crazy.
0: Craziness. Yeah. Wow. You were fifteen or sixteen at that time. I started
1: doing that at like fourteen. Wow. Fourteen, yeah,
0: were you by yourself then, or was your mom she had to be with your your brothers and sister, right, or she
1: was and she was with my brothers and sisters, but again, you have to understand like that's the thing that the industry did then it was they told your family that you know you were being chaperoned by your agent by these adults, and really, like the adults were wild and crazy and creative and didn't understand that it's completely unethical to do something like that. Um, otherwise my mother would, would not have, you know, let me do that.
0: Were you scared?
1: I think that, uh, children are incredibly resilient. And I think that I was so scared of just having to stay in Omaha that (laughs) that that kind of fear was matched with whatever fear that I had about being away and being young and without my parents. And, you know, when you're like a teenager, you're like, you want to be a part of the The group, right? But everyone was so much older than me. I just did whatever I could to assimilate, uh, you know, to be with these women and was seen as a woman, even though I was a child. And, um, that part was really difficult because I forgot because I wasn't taught that it was okay to just be a kid, you know, there was so much responsibility, and then all of a sudden, you go from, you know, having you really no money to making so much money, you know, at that time. And it was just, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. Who could take that in? Yeah.
1: But yeah. it was perfect, weirdly perfect in a strange way, even with whatever uh, challenges and, um, you know, uh, a lot of the things that happened again, I always look to see how did I learn from that? How did I grow from that? How did that contribute to my life? And I look at the experiences and the people that I worked with and met and have been in my life. And it's just very, um, it's overwhelmingly uh, powerful to be blessed to be with these human beings that uh, think and create in a way that's just completely out of this world, you know, and that was really my, my foundation, my education uh, as an artist.
0: It reminds me, like, if I could have done that to get out of Iowa, I'd be like, yes, sign me up. But right? I would have been scared. I would have been scared. Oh, I was but,
1: terrified. I was terrified, yeah, but I didn't know yeah. what that terror was. But yes.
0: that seems so much better than being in school and people being mean. And it's like.
1: <sighs> That's the thing. That was what I was like, okay, you know, either go back to that and then what? You know, right, I couldn't. Right. I couldn't.
0: When you were younger, did you feel beautiful?
1: Not particularly. No. You didn't? No. I thought my sister was beautiful. Really? I always recognized like the beauty in other people. I I mean I there were times where I thought that I was pretty or times where I thought that I was beautiful. But again, I you know, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily identify with that because it felt like I wasn't I, it was there was some kind of like paradox that was happening like between like the not fitting in and the bullying and then being expected to be one way, like a cheerleader or a prom queen, right. because of, or whatever, because of the way that I look. So my exterior didn't somehow match up to, to my interior. Right. And, and that's why I was, wasn't ever really accepted because it was like, Oh, you look, you're pretty or beautiful or whatever. And so therefore you should match these expectations. But I, I wasn't those things. I didn't want to do any of those things. You know, I, I really just was, I just wanted to, again, read, write, make movies, make plays, you know, uh, uh, make clothing, you know, like just very, uh, my interests were completely different and I just didn't know how to reconcile that. It's like a Rubik's cube. I remember always feeling like if I just twist and turn it enough, like somehow it all makes sense. And it, it never did, you know, not when I was younger. Now it does, but you know, when, when you're a kid and you're going through it, as you know, right. um, you don't know. I mean, what did, What was your saving grace?
0: I think my saving grace was my family. My sister was my best friend. My sister was oh. my best friend. And she would go after the kids and be like, don't you talk to him. And she was like, and she was the cool, badass girl that was like, kind of like, she. she was a little bit chunky like she gained a little bit of weight but everybody's like you're so cool because she'd wear red lipstick and oversized jeans and like a ripped shirt and everybody was like you're weird but you're kind of cool and so she she was like it
1: right yeah it's her essence right because right right she had that that thing. And
0: everybody loved her because they thought she was kind of oddly cool. And, you know, and she was like, I'm not popular, but she kind of, but she wasn't the cheerleader or anything like that. So she was kind of like my saving grace to like just talk to in the way that I knew how to talk at that age. And, you know.
1: That's so great.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because it's like, I mean, for you, like. I can imagine like going into modeling. I mean, didn't people tell you all the time? Oh my God, you're so beautiful, Jamie. Oh, you're yes, so beautiful. Yes, if they yes. see you, they're like, you're gorgeous. Yes, you Yes, know?
1: yes. So it was very alluring because you need that. Like it was like, I needed to feel confident, right? And people in the fashion industry gave me that confidence because it was the, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. I felt like some part of me that wasn't filled, you know, growing up, right. um, was filled through these people that saw saw me, mm-hmm. and and not just on a physical level. Like they saw something in me that was like, oh, she gets this thing, or you know, like she gets me. It, but it's also strange to go from not fitting into anything to all of a sudden being wanted or right. to be a part of something, right. because the foundation was still was built as that I don't belong fitting into something. Right. So I, as a teenager, I remember still feeling a lot like, um, you know, when you're in, I'd be like in a room or a fancy dinner or backstage. And like, even though I was a part of it, I still felt like I was sort of inside of myself, like, um, not even though I was with the group, I still always felt a little bit outside of it, you know, um, like I was observing it and, uh, So that part to me is interesting to look at with anyone that grows up with radical shifts in their lives, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what the foundation is versus the next experience and the next experience.
0: Yeah. Do you feel beautiful now? I do. You do?
1: I do. Yeah.
0: Like you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm beautiful. I'm a model. I can, I model. I'm a beautiful person. I'm beautiful on the outside. I'm beautiful on the inside.
1: I... I don't ever, I don't look in the mirror and think I'm beautiful. I'm a model. Um, When I see the beauty or when I, my beauty that I recognize is how I experience myself internally. Right. So who I am as a human being then radiates from me. And yes, on the physical, I think, I believe that I'm very beautiful. Connecting to my inner is what really, you know, it's all of that together. That Mm. that makes our beauty, right? And and wisdom, and age, and experience, and self acceptance, and um, the friendships and the relationships in our lives. That's um, it's our relationship with ourself that allows us, I think, to experience truly what beautiful is.
0: Because so many, I can imagine being at that age, and everybody's telling you one thing, and you know, not how to take that in at such a young age. Yes, um, yes. Are you close with your family now? Are you still close? I'm very
1: with- close, very close. Oh, that's yes. cool.
0: And what did very they bad. think of all your success?
1: It's sort of unfathomable. Again, you, we're from the Midwest. We're just...
0: We're just people.
1: We're just people. Yeah. And so like to have a shoot to superstardom was, I couldn't even understand it. They couldn't understand. We're just like, oh, okay. We're We're just going to do this thing. When it happens that quickly, it's, hard to really process it.
0: Right. Wow. That's so interesting. You know, there's so many things about models. Is it true about like what you have to eat or what you have to watch, what you eat, what, what we hear about all these things that models don't eat anything and they don't, you know, they're kind of unhealthy and, you know, they're smoking and they're doing drugs and all that stuff.
1: There was a lot of that because, again, I was so young and I was naturally thin I I really ate whatever I wanted, you know, and, it, it, and not to sound like, and I was still, yeah. but, but I was a kid, you know, yeah. so uh, I was able to, you know, eat McDonald's and I never, I didn't worry about my weight. There was a lot of, you know, smoking cigarettes, there was a lot of being introduced to drugs and things that, you know, that time in fashion was very wild. I didn't know what I should or shouldn't be doing. I just felt like if I didn't do what they were doing, somehow I'd get kicked out, right? Uh-huh. So it's the same thing. It's like if you were in junior high or high school and you like, Oh, this is the thing to try or to do, you know I, I guess I just desperately wanted to, and again, it, it's like adults, so I didn't quite understand you know, I thought that maybe I'd be protected by them. so I just went with what they were doing because I didn't have you know that sort of guidance um, in retrospect. I look back, and there, you know, there was a lot of things that people did to look a particular way. But it wasn't until I was about seventeen where uh, my body started to change, and I had to exercise and eat really healthy. And I didn't starve myself. I changed, you know, what I put into my body, and I changed Mm -hmm. my physical activity. And I'm actually really thankful for that because, you know, I love running and I love using my body as a vehicle. Specifically as an actor as well. But I think there's a lot of different um, ideas or stereotypes or stories about being a model or being in the fashion industry. And I think it really depends on what year and what decade and what generation. Right.
0: Right. Because you always hear like models don't eat and you've got to keep I mean, I've met people over the years. Uh, There was another girl I actually interviewed on the show who's become very famous in Instagram and all of that stuff. And and she was like her agency dropped her because she gained, you know, 10 pounds and she didn't know what to do. And it all changes everything. And they gave her a warning, like two months warning. And then eventually they dropped her because she was she put on 10 pounds. And she goes, I guess, you know, they had the right because they gave me the warning. But it's it's
1: sad. I saw things like that, and it makes me sad that um, anyone would still have that kind of mentality now. You know, uh, one would hope that we're not. It's just like it's sickening to me. I mean, I remember things like I remember one one very famous model who who had I loved her ears, they, but they stuck out a little bit, and that's what I loved about because they were quirky and they were different, and they made her like pin her ears back or you know on and in Hollywood they do that. You know, I, I've seen many actresses that would have to starve themselves and do crazy things because the studios needed or wanted that. Right. And I do remember one time where I did have that shift. And I remember my agent saying to me that I was starting to look thick and I didn't know what to do, you know, I I didn't know what to like, and I was like, really? And it it does create like a body dysmorphia. Just like the kids now with Instagram and filters and face tuning and what that's doing to um, the brain development of children, you know, is, is crazy because they start to see themselves through filters. Uh, You know, what is the standard of beauty? And, oh, I have to look like that. And then they're putting fillers and this and that, and they're changing their they're actually like changing their faces whilst developing at the same time. So they'll never know what it's like to grow into their beauty. And so it's a tricky thing, you know, it's, it's really tricky. And, and, and I feel like the kids now are dealing with a much more difficult situation uh, than when I was a child and I thought that was hard, you know?
0: Yeah. I think innately, you're thin. That's just who you are. Yes. Like, yeah. you're just thin. I mean, everybody's built differently, but you're normally just more thin. And I remember you being like, they always said like, she was that heroin chic thinness, like, like super wafy. <laughs> well, didn't they say or no?
1: Well, it was like a, yeah. And the term like heroin chic is so disturbing to it's me. It's weird, but that was isn't like, it? It's like, it's, it's like they took, the you know uh, grunge movement, right, and that right. time in the '90s, and the what fashion designers were creating and making, and the the like the you know the swag or the energy of it, and you know, it. Kate Moss actually really paved the way for me to even be able to be a supermodel at all because you had to be five ten.
0: Oh right, what I, are you like five? Like minimum of
1: five ten. I'm five foot eight and a half.
0: Oh, so yeah. You know, yeah. like
1: I, so I was like, oh, I'm never gonna be a a. a, a Cindy Crawford or Claudia right. Schiffer, or an Evangelista or Naomi. It's like I just thought if I could only grow taller because I didn't I knew that you had to be a certain height to be a supermodel, right? right and right. when Kate Moss and Jamie Richard and like, you know, these these um women came in and were thinner and weightier uh, then it actually gave me the opportunity to do that because you know, Kate's what five seven? I think something like mm-hmm, that. mean, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of crazy that you're. It's like we have to think about something in inches and heights and. I know.
0: Again, it goes and back to and, this
1: yeah. Standard, right?
0: Right, right. It's crazy to think all that crazy. stuff. So, if you were to look back at your young self, what would you tell her now? That girl in New York at fourteen.
1: I would say that you did good, kid. You did good. You know, I did. Like, I really, as a as a kid did the best that I could with what I knew, with what I had, mm-hmm. you know, and I think to be gentle with ourselves and, you know, who we were as kids mm-hmm. and extend that gentleness to ourselves, I think is really important.
0: Any advice you would give her?
1: It's so interesting when you say any advice you would give her, I always think about what would I give to other people?
0: Yeah. Like even other people that are young. I mean, I sometimes look at myself oh, like if I think about giving myself advice at that super young age, like I feel like you do the best you can, you know?
1: What would you tell yourself at that age?
0: Um, That it's okay to be different. It's okay. It's so weird, you know, Jamie, because now I also feel like, you know, back then everybody goes, you're so weird. You're so different. You're wearing boat shoes and plaid pants and, you know, all this stuff and you you don't wear t-shirts and jeans and you look like a Girl, and you're all this stuff, and then when you get older and you start doing stuff, people are like, "Oh my god, we celebrate! You're amazing!" It's like, yes, well, that switch just doesn't—it's not so easy.
1: No, I know exactly what you mean because the thing that I was bullied for, the thing that what made me such an outcast, right. so different, so weird, right? You know, became the thing that I was celebrated for. It became the thing like people adore, and and again, that switch is really hard.
0: Right, right. It's really difficult to be able to go, "Wait, I can't switch it that quick, you know, to be able yes. to I mean, you do, you do, and it's and it's fun to be so, but some of that thinking you have to change in your mind and your brain. 100
1: percent, it's the inner dialogue,
0: right, right, right
1: It's the messaging that we've gotten from the world, and when that all of a sudden shifts, then we have to change it inside of ourselves and in relationship to the world. That's a, It takes a lot of work to do that.
0: Right, right, to change that a lot, yeah. Um, I read about just some of the things like you went through at 16. Like, was it difficult, like getting involved with some of those people and then like the drug stuff and all of that. And how do you get away from it? For me, I always remember being so scared. I was so scared of everything. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose control. If I try anything, if I try pot or, you know, I was like a baby about all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I was scared. I didn't even know what I was doing half the time, but it was like, I'd be on a shoot and they would say, Oh, do you want to try dope? I thought dope was pot and dope was, heroin or something like it was like uh, you know and it's like uh, uh and
0: and so you just say yes
1: but you, it's like when you're the only person and you're a kid and the photographer the editor that when everyone's like and you're just like uh like i didn't know what i was supposed to do or not do oh, so right. i did do you understand i didn't yeah. under, i didn't know right and it's not like you had someone like taking you out of the room so it was it was a series of many you know things like that that happened and of course I was scared. I didn't, I didn't know. And by the time I was 17, I, you know, I, I, I have never taken anything since. So, you know, it was one of those when I knew that that was not who I was Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to live my life like that. And, uh, I learned everything I could learn from the fashion industry. I'd worked with all of the greats. And frankly, what got me out of it was my own inner compass of wanting to learn and grow and expand I was like okay I've learned everything that I can from this industry it just wasn't enough for me mm-hmm. you know it didn't mm-hmm. it satiate my heart and my soul uh to continue in fashion and people thought they're like wait you're gonna go do what you're gonna be an actor now you're gonna go because at that time there were no multi-hyphenates you didn't just go from right. being a supermodel and then be a serious actor, it just didn't work like that right, so they're right, like, right. Wait, what are you doing like right. you' you're making us all this money and you're making all this money and you're you know why would you stop now? like you have your whole career ahead of you and, and inside of me, it was like, no, no, no no, I'm just like I've learned everything and I'm so grateful for that and and this is not what I want to be a part of and i really I just had bigger dreams, other dreams and and things that I needed to do i I'm just really thankful. That there is that thing inside of me that has, it's our soul that guides us, you know, our mm-hmm. higher self that guides us. And um, I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And I, I wanted to, um, I just really wanted to be a filmmaker.
0: Mm. And so what age did you switch over to acting?
1: Uh, around 17.
0: Oh, that young?
1: Yeah, eighteen. Oh. Oh, actually, I did my first film when I was eighteen.
0: So then you gave up the modeling?
1: Yes, and I was very, very strict about that. I, I somehow knew inside of myself, and I said, "I will, I will not do anything in the fashion industry anymore." From once I get, you know, into into the film industry, because I there was no guide at that time in terms of. How do you switch from one thing to another? Uh I just somehow knew inside of me that I couldn't do both. Right. I had to Mm. really commit to being an actor and the greatest actor and training and all the hard work that you need to do to do that so that I could be seen as serious in terms of, you know, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't do any magazines, any campaigns, nothing unless it was specifically to promote a film.
0: Oh, so after 18, no more Vogue, no more Harper's, nothing.
1: Only for press for a film. That was it.
0: So if something came like Clarol or L'Oreal and they wanted you as the main girl, you wouldn't do it?
1: I wouldn't do it. I The first thing that I did was Revlon with Peter Lindbergh and I did it because it was an all actor campaign. So it was oh. myself, Julianne Moore, Holly Berry, Ava Mendez. Um, that was the first time that I agreed to do uh, wow. a campaign for a a, a company.
0: Yeah. Jamie, I could talk to you all day, all day, all day. But I wanna talk <laughs> I to you, you. I wanna talk to you about your film career and everything. But we're gonna wrap up today. We're gonna come back another time and we're gonna talk all about Jamie's tv and film and fabulous career after she uh quit modeling and went into full-time acting all right thanks jamie thank
1: you so much all this right. was so fun i appreciate you thank you, you.
0: Bye. see you <laughs> thanks for listening to the cat's walk make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app this has been a production of evergreen podcast a special thank you to executive producer gerardo orlando producer leah longbreak and audio engineer dave douglas